0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to my first podcast. I am very excited about this new space of learning and reflecting. A lot of this will be stories about me and decisions I've made throughout my journey and how I got where I am today and where I want to go. Welcome to Teacher Talk Series, one of eight stories, thoughts and insights I have on life, education and community. Enjoy. Oh yeah, all these thoughts and stories were written and unedited. So basically, for my entire life, I grew up in Nova Scotia, Canada. And for those who are wondering and do not know me, I am black and yes, black people live in Canada. I find it funny that people still think Canada is made up of only white people, igloos and horses sorry to break it to you it's not true i ran between two communities both east preston and north preston communities that held a significant importance in the black culture within canada preston is the largest black community in canada holding roughly 69 percent in population yes sir richard preston was our leader back then he settled with roughly 2,000 other black refugee slaves at the time during the fight with the british in 1812. many of us come from a group of slaves called the black loyalists journeymen and women who worked closely with the british during the war of independence and have either escaped were released or sent back to different areas of north america after the work they had done some are from a group called the jamaican maroons Many maroons used as a runaway, as an act of escaping enslavement. After a series of wars in Jamaica, many maroons were deported to Nova Scotia in 1796. Around this time, roughly 500 to 600 men and women, families around the Nova Scotia area, eventually, given permission from the British, settled. Some land had been left vacant from the Black Loyalists at the time, and additional houses, etc., were built. I feel like both the Maroons and the Black Loyalists' greatest importance has to be its long-lasting influence and identity amongst Black Nova Scotians. My early years at home were amazing, I mean, growing up in a tight-knit community in which your aunts and uncles, grandparents, and other cousins play an important part in raising you is special. And you wonder why Black people have so many cousins or aunts and uncles. It's because we've been raised by them. We've spent time in their houses. They put food on our plates. They put clothes on our backs. And they put us in our place when we did wrong. It was like growing up with six to seven dads and six to seven moms. I remember one aunt made the best lasagna. Another made the best stir fry, the best mac and cheese, the best cheesecake, the best fried chicken and rice. And to top it off, my grandma made the best biscuits in town. Literally. I mean, this is what life was like when I was little. Uncles made you carry wood, move rocks or other large objects, hammer nails, mow the lawn, take out the garbage, organize bottles, paint, wash the car, you name it. Grandpa was a leader. I mean, he had his own paving company. Victor's Paving. I was too young at the time to really help out, but my older cousins had a taste. I'm lucky he wasn't me. Ash felt through the fingers. Grandpa made, or should I say, encouraged the little cousins to sell Christmas wreaths. Oh Christmas tree. Okay, I never forgot about going door to door with my cousins, asking strangers if they wanted to buy a green branch with some berries on it. Some had perfectly tied bows, all handmade from Grandpa. Damn! He put them all in the back of his green station wagon with a fake license plate. Grandpa was a gangster, living on the edge, trying to make a living, and I respected that. I remember walking up to this door and a young guy came out with tattoos and a gold chain. Right away, I was embarrassed. No way in hell this guy was buying a reef. I knew him from the community. But I asked him anyway in a cool voice, Hey man, you interested in Christmas Reef? He looked at me and smirked. up, little man? You play ball, right? I replied with a soft yes. For Preston? Yes, I replied again, my vocab was minimal. Yeah, I know you, he said. Let me get that reef from you. How much is it? The reef was probably only $14 at the time, but I told him it was 20 I got big-eyed, thanked him, and ran back down to Grandpa's car. Grandpa kept track of all the cells that me and my cousin made. He always said he'd get McDonald's for the person who sold the most. But in the end, he'd end up buying McDonald's for everybody. Sometimes we'd sell briefs for $10. Grandpa would get pissed. I miss Grandpa. I remember my early years and my parents waking me up early to travel to my grandma's house. My great-grandma. I was lucky I got to spend lots of time with her. I remember waking up and grandma reminding us that the bus was coming shortly. So you had two choices, miss it and walk, or get your ass up and make it to the bus stop. We, me and my sister at the time, and often my cousins, often decided to get up. I was always an early morning person. We looked both ways and crossed the pavement and took steps into the yellow bus. I enjoyed school. I had friends mainly because of the community and sports two important aspects within my life at the time. When I think about Bell Park, my elementary school, I think about my first black teacher, friends and board games. The school itself had many, I mean maybe 20 to 30% black students from the community. I could be totally wrong, but there weren't many of us. The rest came from Lake Echo, pretty much, a majority white community that basically separated each other with a line. You'd often hear that most people wanted to be on the brighter side of things when it came to their address. It was really strange. Growing up, I mixed and mingled with everybody. I mean, one of my best friends was white. He moved from Ontario at the time. I liked him because he ate cool sandwiches, pita wraps, raisins, and peanut butter. Oh, and carefully sliced bananas and played sports. He was smart the total package shout out to Justin. My first crush had dark hair and blue eyes. She had freckles. I had a thing for freckles on her nose and a big smile. I never had the guts to tell her at the time. I was afraid to tell her because we looked different, really different. She was snow white and I was Fresh Prince. It just didn't match. I did end up finding her though. Shout out to my wife of one year and her freckles. My first black teacher came in with a bit of a surprise. I mean, I didn't really want to be in her class at the time because I thought, man, another crazy black lady telling me what to do. I already had my mom, my aunts, and everybody else shaming their ideas of what life should be like. I was dumb and really ungrateful for those comments. She was labeled as the mean teacher, angry black lady, but she was nothing like that. She just cared a lot for her students and we realized that when we entered her class. Sometimes society looks at black women in their passion and excitement for something and often labels them as crazy, or the angry black woman. It's not true. Black women are some of the strongest, most powerful people in the world and we need to appreciate them more often. I didn't know at the time, but I know now. I remember i just finished up WWF WrestleMania, and it was time to return it to Blockbuster. I insisted that I take it myself, so my dad allowed me to tag along. I remember driving up to the store and parking between the yellow lines. Dad looked at me and said, go ahead. I grabbed the game with two hands to be safe and started to walk towards the Dropbox. Blockbuster was, you know, the place to find everything at the time video games movies snacks you name it i slipped it in and turned back quickly as i turned a lady was about to enter the store she brushed by me watch where you were going you little nigger mm, what you say? at the time i understood the meaning kind of I just knew it was used in rap songs and no white person should be calling any black person that. I looked both ways and made it back to the car. The sweat on my face wasn't from me running. Dad asked if everything was okay. I lied and said things were just fine because I knew if I told him the truth about the lady, things would have got heated quickly. One thing I know about dad, and until this day, you don't want to play. You don't play with dad. Crazy how I still remember this story. Middle years, we like to call it junior high in Canada, well at least in Scotia, was fun. I got student of the year and athlete of the year in the same year, grade nine. It was a special moment for me. I mean, I remember playing volleyball, track, basketball, whatever other sports I could sign up for. Those were the good old days, young, athletic, and not a care in the world. I thought junior high was not easy, but fun. I think I remember clearly the idea of interracial dating or liking, sure to speak. We used to call it talking to. Who are you talking to nowadays, we'd say. It was whatever was in between friends and dating at the time. You simply get a girl's number and call her. You talk about nothing and then act all shy at school. It was a thing to do in middle school. I remember they are taking all the good men Black girls reference to white girls dating all the smart black guys. I remember Chuck in coin tosses in the corner away from teachers, trying to make a few extra bucks for lunch. Buy two pizzas instead of one. Betty made some greasy pizza, but it hit the spot. I played baseball. I had a black principal. Remember a moment me and my cousin were in the dugout. We were talking about a play. If I remember, and my mind serves me correctly, me or myself or one of the other players on the team came in from a slide. They had a lot of dirt on their shirt and on their leg. I remember a friend, I guess he was a friend, making a comment, something along the lines of, if he had any more dirt on him, he'd be a nigger. I remember my coach taking both me and my cousin outside the dugout. He talked to us about the comment I think we were a little struck by the comment at the time, and wasn't sure what to say. I think today, I would have I had a black principal who became my mentor. Not sure I've ever come across a man so kind and giving. I mean, he looked out for everybody, and always meant well. He drove us to tournaments, continuously preached, take your grades, try your best, and ask for help when needed. He often mentioned the importance of staying with the right crowd and doing the right thing. He often mentioned the part about staying away from drugs. And if you were selling it, it made you just as bad as the person smoking it, vice versa. He had our back. He looked out for us. I watched friends get lost in a system that basically allowed students to show up and pass through. I mean, like, all of my friends had potential to get good grades, or play sports. They often weren't given the chance to learn. We never had the resources. I couldn't tell you one black book I saw in middle school. Not one reference to our culture or identity at the time. How could anyone stay focused when someone or nothing relates? Shake my damn head. 6am practices, 100 leg raises, 100 100 push-ups, 100 setups, just before it all started, followed by 10 laps, same thing after school, everyday basketball practice. Middle days came and went, I decided to give my life to the Lord at the time. I think about the friends that did it with me, why we did it and its meaning. made me think about today, and if I've lost touch with my faith, Understanding of God and its power. I don't think I have, but I know I don't talk to him enough. I know I shouldn't ask him for things only when I'm in time of sorrow or hardship. I know what I need to do. I just need to do it. Stop being lazy. Stop taking him for granted. Stop wasting his time. Shout out to G.O.D. I never forget about you. Middle school came and went. I tore my ACL in grade nine. That sucked a lot. It was by far one of the toughest moments in my life, but it was a moment I lived and I learned. I always blamed this basketball injury for my hopes of the NBA, all five, seven of me. In high school, it's probably my favorite school period. I mean, I was lucky in a sense that I developed some sort of friendship between both blacks and whites within the school. Here's what our school looked like. You had a corner entering our school at the time you'd go through two sets of doors. On the right, you'd have the cafe, or cafeteria, in which held most of our school dances. I remember, uh, we won't talk about that. Forward you go through another set of doors leading to the round steps, the pit and the corner. The corner was straight ahead. It connected the gym and the wall against the boys' bathroom. In front was the band room. If you knew anything about our school at the time. You knew that you'd had to ask to sit or stand around the corner in high schools. It was made up of 99.9% Blacks from East Preston, North Preston, Dartmouth, Cherrybrook. For whatever reason, it was for us and we made sure of it. I remember a few white friends who were close to some of us and had a feeling of being proud and honored to be on the corner at times. The pit was for white folk. I mean, It was a great place to relax and chill. It was comfy, it had nice seating. No idea how this corner thing happened. But now that I think about it, I was lucky, I guess that's the word, or maybe tried harder to meet other people so I could find myself in the pit once in a while, or in other areas of the school. For whatever reason, I was accepted on both sides. Some people believed I was whitewashed. Some of us would go to parties in Preston one weekend and go to Colby Village, the next. A white neighborhood. And let's just say it was clear. There was a big difference between the two. I had another black principal. Funny enough, it was the wife of my principal in junior high. Another major influence in my life who made sure I was always doing the right thing. thing. And on the right track gave me breaks when she thought would benefit students, and she really thought about discipline in a way that was fair and safe. I'd think about some of my friends and the things I'd watch them do, and she'd get to them. She'd connect with them and take them by her arms. She was an influencer. She was a powerful black woman. I was okay in school. I got honor roll and principals list a few times. I was nothing book smart or anything. I worked really hard for my grades, really hard. I loved art, but gave that up for basketball and university. Made many mistakes, hurt people, I'm sorry, and made a few decisions that I take back today. Was super happy, made many friendships, and loved every minute of it. 2006 grad. Took four years BA bachelor of arts, majored in sociology, anthropology, and English, later decided to take my B.E.D. in early elementary, most recently finished my M.E.D. in early elementary pedagogy. School was timing and consuming, but important. And I learned many lessons. I fast forward today, and I thought I'd teach education internationally. I am still a product of my community. I am still that little black boy from Preston who grew up throwing rocks, selling reeves, playing basketball, and eating grandma's biscuits. I live and learned and continue to learn today. I've made mistakes and hurt people along the way. I am not perfect, but strive to be better every day. I'm a product of my community. This is who I am, and this is my story.